Well, friends, you're loved and blessed. And uh, again, I just want to say thank you for being you. Thank you for being planted in this place. And thank you for being faithful uh, to the Lord and receiving the Father's love here and then loving one another and, and uh, giving to your local church. You all are making a great, great impact here in the Bay and, of course, around the world. And thank you for allowing Heidi and I and uh, the teams of mutual faith to be an expression of your love and life in the nation. So we're still in business for Jesus. All is well. We're continuing uh, you know, to, to build uh, different campuses, smaller campuses in various parts of the world. Not these mega Middle East campuses. Uh, we're, we're drawing back from uh, those type of uh, uh, opportunities and uh, dealing with the open doors God has given us. But uh, at another time, I'll give you more updates on that and show a video. I'm not even going to show a video tonight on missions. You all know enough about what we do and pray for us. So I just want to say thank you again for that. What I'd like to do, though, is continue a conversation. And uh, I'm just joking with George. You know, I'm not going to preach three hours. I'm just going to put something in, in, in your heart until everybody loses their eyelashes and anything else. And No, I'm just joking. We're going to just uh, preach for a short time. But uh, put, if you all could put that little uh, graphic on the screen, passion for his passion. So this is kind of my new uh, heartbeat. And, and, it, and, it, and it frustrates uh, some people because, you know, uh, we're so consumed with our vision. We've been taught, you know, write the vision, make it plain, clear, and all. And all that's very, very important. But make sure your vision flows from the love of the Lamb. Don't, don't have it in agenda based on what you perceive or what you think. Have you noticed uh, that sometimes our visions can turn very quickly into nightmares? <laughs> you know what I mean? And uh, I, I've seen that a lot in ministry through the years where people uh, have these uh, wonderful visions and it turns into nightmares. And I've had a few of my own. And God has always delivered me, thank God, and uh, where you just uh, humble yourself. You know, God resists the proud. And, and he gives grace to the humble. And so I, I think tenderness is, 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 is really where you're tough. I think tenderness and yieldedness um, um, to, to, to the, the work of the Father and the word of the Lord is so important. But a passion for his passion, unveiling the love of the Lamb. And I was teaching this morning about the importance about the love of God. This is love, 1 John 2.10. This is love, not, or 1 John 4.10 rather, not that we love him, but that he loves us. And he sent Jesus Christ to be the propitiation for our sins. And not our sins only, but the sins of the whole world. In other words, our, our uh, capacity to be loved is what equips us to love. And I told you stories about my own life, how disappointed I would be even in ministry. Because I couldn't love God very well. And uh, I really wasn't all that consistent. And it really wasn't with all my heart or all my soul for that or all my strength. It wasn't with all my nothing, really. I just knew I was a loser at this thing. Because if, if I'm measured by my capacity to love him, I was honest with me and deeply disappointed. So God fixed me and delivered me with himself. And he showed me how to be loved. And I think that's what the world needs. I think that's what Christendom needs. I think, I think the body of Christ is very hard on themselves. I think we try to put on all of our facades of how spiritual we are and how wonderful we are and try to make things happen. But I have so many challenges in my personal life now in terms of my gene pool. 
okay, and in terms of where I live, work with, and around the world, that I, 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 I realize I can't really fix anything in and of myself. But I find that the love of the Father through me becomes a soothing element to, to uh, break the hardness of the hearts of people in a way where they can hear the gospel and receive the love of God. And we're seeing beautiful things happen when I just yield to the love of the Father. So I want to talk tonight a little bit of how this kind of worldview, having a passion for his passion, helps position you for ministry. And I, I want to do it by talking uh, about Jesus. Do you know when Jesus preached during his ministry, you know, the Bible says in the book of Galatians, he was born under the law. And he preached the law. He preached the law kind of to the nth degree. He preached the truest intent of the law. So he would say, if you're finding your righteousness through the law, through your obedience, friend, it's not just if you uh, commit adultery that's a big deal. It's if you think about it, you're guilty. Now, that makes it a bummer. You know what I mean? I thought I was doing pretty good, but I've had lustful thoughts before. You know, he said, it's not if you murder somebody. That's, that's, you're, you're guilty if you, if you think with ought against your brother. I thought, what a bummer. You know, I'm guilty there too. Jesus took the law to such a degree in its holiness, in its beauty, that we judge ourselves, you know, as really helpless, apart from seeing him as a savior and a redeemer. So Jesus then established a new covenant. The new covenant doesn't start in Matthew chapter 1 verse 1. Where it says New Testament in your Bible. No, the New Covenant starts at the cross. Okay? The New Covenant starts at the passion of the Lamb. And at the passion of the Lamb is where love is demonstrated. And where a whole new operating system is initiated by the Father. So now it's a New Covenant based on an agreement between God and Jesus. According to the book of Hebrews. Do you know Jesus could not be a priest under the Old Covenant? He didn't have the right genealogy. He wasn't from the right gene pool. See, to be a priest in the Old Testament, you can read about this in the book of Hebrews. Chapter 6, 7, 8, 9, in there. If you read it in the book of Hebrews, you find that to be a priest in the Old Testament, you had to be of the tribe of Levi. But Jesus was of the tribe of Judah. So it says, of a necessity, a new system required a new law. So the old game is done, a new game is enforced, and now it's a law of redeeming love. A radical love where a covenant is made through God and Jesus, it's a covenant that can never be altered. It's a covenant that can never break. So my security in the covenant is not based on me. My security in the covenant is based on Jesus. So my position in Jesus is revealed to me by faith. I look at him. I say cool. I say yes to the work of the one. And faith gets me out of my identity into his identity. I am now in him. I am safe. Completely. Eternally. Redeemed. Safe. Rescued. Righteous. Holy. Blameless. In Christ. Now God's view of me is not me. God's view of me is Christ. Jesus is God's opinion of me. I kind of like it that way because I've never really liked the opinion of me based on me religiously. It just wasn't good enough. 
according to the law. So the beauty of believing is your holy faith gives you a voice deep in your spirit to reckon who you are. And you can rest realizing the only way you're there is because the Savior saves. And he does it very, very well. And so you don't have to live disappointed. Now, if you have a passion now for this passion, you're going to see your world through a lens independent of the flesh, frailty, and failures of those around you. That's the way you see you. See, the way I see me is independent of my fleshly humanity. I see me redeemed, righteous, reconciled unto God because I'm in Christ. And that's where we kind of ended this morning about how Peter had all his motivation in ministry. Paul had all his motivation in ministry, not just to do something for God, not just to have somebody rah-rah and get you encouraged and let's fight on. No, I mean, thank God for rah-rah and fight on, but rah-rah and fight on gets exhausting, okay? What motivates me, what should motivate a believer is the passion of the Lamb. So when you have a passion for his passion, out of that worldview, God quickens to you things you can do. Ways you can express his life. Ways his love can show off through you in the world you're in, in the, in the sphere of in, in, in the place of influence. You're in. Sometimes it's just to love people in their pain. Sometimes it's not to give anybody your opinion. Sometimes it's not that important to be right. Sometimes it's just to be there until there's the right opening to shock people into the world of the Father where they're accepted. And there's different ways to do that. I'm learning and still learning how to do this because I don't always do it that well. But I think it's so beautiful the fruit that comes out of our lives when we just have a passion for his passion. Ministry, whether it's a local church like this or missions, what I do around the world is all about ministering to people, you know, in word and deed on how to be loved by God. I told you this morning, I don't really go to try to get anybody to sign up to love God. I go preach the gospel around the world in hard places and teach people how to be loved by God because most people write themselves off. You know, people are very critical of themselves in brutal, pure, wonderful honesty. But the beautiful thing is the gospel gives them a different view of themselves if they can see the passion of the Lamb. If they can believe that they're clean from God's view, if they accept it by faith, it's astonishing. And faith rises in their heart, and then there's transformations that can happen. And so I always teach people how to be loved by God because I know through personal experience that your love for God is just always a reciprocal. So me trying to work on loving God more is not really the issue. My my focus is being loved by God every day because then loving him every day is just easy. It's not even a thought. Now I can just sing songs like Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know. Huh? Listen, I can have the bubbling up of love for the father just uh, without trying now. And I kind of like it that way, to be honest with you, because before it used to always plague me. Dear God, did I do enough? You know, I used to always hear teachings when I was young in ministry. This is 30 some odd years ago. You know, if you don't warn them in their sin, their blood's on your hands. I thought, dear God. You know, all these Old Testament thoughts. I used to go out on the streets, Heidi and I, you know, this is even before we married. 
And uh, I'd go, we'd go to convalescent homes. We'd go out on the streets. We'd find, have to find somebody every day to lead to Christ and make sure we were, you know, saved. And did enough for Jesus. And I understand we have to motivate people to share their faith. But not out of, not out of condemnation. Not out of shame. It has to be the natural flow. And I think that's what people want. People don't want nothing jammed down their throats. You know, I usually didn't even know people. I would just say, you know, hey, Jesus loves you. You know, and uh, you know, he died for you, took all your sin. I'll say a prayer. You can be born again. And they'd say, no, I don't, I don't want to. Now I say, you're going to hell. Now, it's a quick, it's a pretty quick judgment to pile on. You know, if you tell enough people they're going to hell, do you think anybody really wants to have a conversation? And so, so we, have to, we have to let people soften to the love of God and understand the beauty and not be afraid. Not be in a rush where, where we really miss the beauty of what God wants to do and what God wants to say with everyone. So when Jesus preached during his ministry, he preached really in the context of the law. Now there, there he was shifting in some of his teachings. But you have to understand who he was preaching to in the times. To understand his teaching. Because you pull some of his phrases and statements into the new covenant. It will mess you up. For example, Jesus said, unless you forgive, your father in heaven won't forgive you. Now, is that new covenant or is that old covenant? That's old covenant. See, that's, that's Matthew or Mark 11. You know, 23 and 24. That's verse 25. After we talk about moving mountains. But, but in the New Testament, Paul the Apostle reveals through the passion for his passion that we forgive others knowing how much God has forgiven us. The revelation of your forgiveness equips you to release people. You know, there's a lot of people that did me wrong in my life and, and still seem to enjoy doing me wrong. But you know what, I, you know what I'm, I'm finding? I'm finding my capacity to forgive people is not based on me. I don't do it very good. Man, I, I, I realize that if I'm understanding the beauty of how much Jesus has forgiven me, I can come out of that intimacy of being loved. And, you know, I, I can have mercy on those rascals. And I just release them and release this, release that, release the loss, release whatever. And it's, 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 a, it's a better way for me to keep my sanity and my peace and joy. And God blesses through, through mercy extended. And so it's, it's really, really important that we understand how Jesus went about that. When Jesus preached after the cross, he preached differently than what he did in preaching before the cross. Following his passion, the passion of Christ, his death and his rising, he preached on his passion. Now think about that. In fact, we could study in scriptures... That when Jesus was raised from the dead, when you study what he said, what the Gospels record, what he said, it was all, his preaching was about his passion, his death and his rising. Whether he preached to the disciples, whether he preached to the two on the road to Emmaus, he always would preach about his passion. He would show himself alive and show the, 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 the sign language was, was his, his, his marks, his piercings. And so Jesus preached on his passion. And that's what opened the eyes of disciples. That's what tenderized people. That's what reduced fear. That, that's what allowed people to breathe. 
is the passion of the Lamb. See, if you have a passion for His passion, your heart gets a peaceful place. Like I said, you really can relax with, with the Father. You don't, you don't need to always live a nervous wreck as though it's all up to you. It's not. I said it's not. <laughs> it's up to Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Yeah, the passion of the Lamb does it all. Let's look at one text real quick. I don't know if they have these verses up there or not, but I'm just going to go a, a little different way tonight. Luke 24, verse 25 through verse 27. Then Jesus said, to, this is on the day of his risenness, after he walked with the two on the road to Emmaus. Or this is during that time. He said to them, O foolish ones, this is the two dudes who were full of fear and anxiety and were emotional wrecks. He said, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe. All that the prophets have spoken, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory. Talking about his passion. And beginning at Moses and the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scripture, the things concerning himself. And so what, what Jesus did is he preached on his passion. And that's what soothes the heart of people. Because that gives you your true identity. You're, and and, and that's, that's how you can look at those around you who are challenged. Okay? And uh, you can see them through that lens and have mercy and, and announce this kind of news in, in, in a way that can, can, you know, unwind them a little bit. And faith will come. And God will bring deliverances and blessing. In like fashion... Ministry, whether it's local church or whether it's missions like I do, is proclaiming the mystery of the cross and the resurrection and revealing this unending love for everybody. But Jesus, you know, had to go through the passion. We, we, sometimes, sometimes it's hard uh, preaching this way because uh, sometimes I'd, I'd, I'd rather really preach really judgmental to people. It'd be a lot funner, it seems like, a lot easier, you know. You know, it's, it's like, uh, there's a lot of uh, preaching I hear from around, and I think, my goodness, you know, because they're just so, so angry and, and, and judgmental and, and, and uh, thinking everybody's got to do it on their own or qualify. And I think, well, I, that sounds, it sounds, I guess, like easy, but it, it's, it's not a delivering word. The delivering word is not in you. The delivering word is in the Lamb. That's why I don't preach about people. Although I'd like to pick people apart periodically. I don't preach about people. I preach about the Lamb. I don't preach about them. I preach about Him. And, and to me, it's, it's key. Otherwise, if you're going to get to measuring things according to the flesh, you're going to get mean real quick. You know how you can tell that? Just have a conversation with your spouse and let it get out of the worldview <laughs> of the lens of the cross. Boy, things can get a little dicey. Huh? Or, you know, talk about your kids and this and that and the other and have these, you know, things. If you get out of the lens of seeing somebody whom you love through the lens of the passion of Jesus, you'll see them according to the flesh and you'll go off on them. You, you, you'll be surprised at how good you are at really taking them down to size. Yeah. It's just part of our humanness that takes us there. So we, it's, it takes faith. To have a passion for his passion. I, 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 I wish 
I wish it, uh, it didn't put so much pressure on you, but it does. It, it pressures me to preach like this. It pressures me to see my world like this day in and day out, to see everything through the passion. But to be honest with you, it's what gives me peace in all the pain and all the storms of life and all the things that are so wrong. And yet I know God's going to make them right. Do you know when Jesus went through his passion, he needed help? Let me say that again. When Jesus went through his passion, he needed help. For all of us to be effective in ministry, we need help to get back on course. For example, my wife Heidi and I, you know, we've got some real challenges. Uh, not, not in our personal lives. Um, I mean, she's in Southern California and I'm up here. No, no we're, we're, we're wonderful. We're happy. But we've got some real challenges and I, I can get really kind of uh, angry about some of these things that I'm not going to go into. And uh, Heidi has to help me get back to the view of the passion of the Lamb in regard to these situations. Otherwise, I can get fr- And then I got to help her. Because she's, you know, she wants to fix everybody. In everything. I say, Heidi, now wait, 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 wait. You, uh, time out. Pause. We're making statements and judgments now that have nothing to do with the passion of the Lamb. We need help... This is why community and a sense of spiritual friendship is so important. We need help to stay with a passion for the passion. Otherwise, we can get very carnal. And Jesus needed help to go through the passion. Look at it, it says in Matthew 21, verses 1 through 3. The Bible says, When they drew near to Jerusalem, they came to Bethpage at the Mount of Olives. Then Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the villages opposite you and immediately you'll find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you'll say the Lord has need of them and immediately he'll send them. You know, Jesus to accomplish his mission, to fulfill his passion, he needed transportation. And you know, Jesus had people around him Help him get what he needed so he could fulfill his passion and get him transportation. It's like here, you know, Pastor Mark through the years and for many years, you know, I've been privileged to be on uh, the board of the church and things. And so I talk with Pastor Mark and and Pastor Brendan, different things at different times. And, you know, the different uh, beautiful expressions of what God's done in your midst and the miracles that have happened in different revenue streams that have happened or new loans that have come into place or whatever. But, but, you know, to, to convey, to have a place to convey the love of the Lamb, it, it, it requires people to help. And thank God you are saints who are always there and always help to accomplish what God needs. I always find that with our mission work, you know, to, to convey the passion of the Lamb. There's always people that have stepped up and helped. Surprising me, people I don't know, never heard of. You know, it's just, I, I marvel at it. Even now, Heidi and I got something in our heart that we haven't even shared publicly with nobody yet. And it's like, it's like goofy, crazy, like you got to be, I'm not even looking for nothing to do. You know what I mean? <laughs> and I got something in my spirit so bubbling up. And, and I just want an environment where people have a peace point. Where they can be astonished with the love of the Lamb. Where they can just be... In awe of the love of the Father. So God's organizing something, even while I'm up here and 
Northern California. I think, my goodness. Flying up here, so all I did was think about this thing. I said, God, I'm not even looking for anything. Do you know when you're, when you're absolutely gripped by the love of God, you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised what God can do in you. It's beautiful. Hallelujah. Look at this verse, Matthew 27, verse 32. It says, now as they came out, they found a man of Cyrene, Simon by name, and him they compelled to bear Jesus' cross. Think about that. In the passion of Jesus, Jesus couldn't even get to his point of destination without help. He needed somebody to carry the heavy load. You know, on missions and ministry and local churches, sometimes the leadership, you know, somebody got to do the heavy lifting. You know, it's kind of like your outreach coming up in a couple weeks. You know, it, it, it's going to take some heavy lifting. It's going to take some people to give some time and energy and, you know, some, 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 uh, some help. I find everything that I do in life, you know, thank God I've got people around me that love me enough to help me. And that's true for you. Jesus did the same. Look at this verse. This is kind of cool. This is Philippians 4. You know, let's look at verse um, 10. Paul writes the church in Philippi. He said, I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And now at the last for your care for me has flourished again. You know, this, this church evidently helped Paul. What was Paul doing? Paul was conveying. We read it this morning. He said, I choose to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He was, has had an addiction for the passion of the and it moved him. It moved him in mission assignments. And you know what? He had people get so excited about the passion of Christ, they helped him. And their care flourished again and again. He said, it's, it's not that you, you, though you surely did care, but, but you lacked opportunity. You know, sometimes like in the local church, somebody needs to just say something. Hey, friends, this is in my spirit. This is in my heart. This is what we're going to do. And God stirs your spirit. And man, sovereignly and supernaturally, there's the revenue, the resources, the people, the power, whatever is necessary to get it done. Without, without oh, dear God, what are we going to do now? You know what I mean? I, I don't like those, dear God, what are we going to do now moments. I like when there's just a momentum. Where the grace of God is there. And it's just, it's just beautiful. It's evident. He's, verse 11. He said, not though I, that I speak in regard to want. I've learned in whatever state I am to be content. I, I've learned that in life. And I'm sure you're learning that too. Just, just to be content. Yeah. And I'm sure you could look at your life right now. And you could see things in your, you know, maybe in your family. Or your job or your career or whatever. That just aren't perfect. It's okay. Just be still and let the Father love you. And see how God can orchestrate things. Be content because I tell you, God's going to show you how to just continue to move forward. And he's going to get all the glory in the process. It goes on to talk about you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing about uh, this. Let me tell you a little story that happened to me about a year ago or so. I was preaching uh, back east somewhere in a, in a, a sizable uh, a church. And I'd never really preached here before. And uh, these people knew of, uh, you know, our ministry for 25 years or something, 30 years. So they wanted me to come in for a, a midweek thing. And they wanted me to 
teach some leaders, which I did for a night, and then and then uh, the the church, and, and I did, and uh, you know I just taught on the love of the Father. Wow, and uh, the hearts of people I could sense were being warmed. There's a beautiful peace point when you're settled in to the beloved position. It lets you it lets you breathe differently. It lets you see differently. And it, 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 it takes the disappointment out of your soul. So many people live with such disappointment that they didn't do something good enough or hard enough or well enough. Get over it. Let it be. Just rest in the love of the Father and see where He takes you. Let Him breathe on you again. And so Heidi and I, you know, we're just, you know, we didn't know anybody in the church. We hardly know what we're doing. You know, we're just saying, hey, and I just see. And we had some of our books there and things. And, you know, there was a long line for people buying the books. And, and uh, so I just stood there and said hi. And, you know, nice to see you. Give people little hugs and, you know, see the little babies and whatever. And, and uh, you know, it was really beautiful and I enjoy it. And then this, uh, this guy came up. And... Uh, I didn't know who the dude was, but he, he put like an envelope in my wife's hand and said, I just, I just feel compelled. I need to leave this with you. And then he left. I didn't know the dude's name. I wouldn't know him if he walked down the center aisle and sat right here. I, 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 don't, I don't know anything. So, you know, okay, cool. You know, I thought, ah, you know, wonderful prayer request or whatever. Anyway, we finally, you know, had dinner that night with some people and some of the leaders or whatever. And, we went back to the room and I said, oh, that's, remember that guy gave me a envelope? I said, oh, yeah, yeah. So she opened this, my wife opened this envelope and it was all cash. And there was like $10,000 or maybe more. I can't remember. And I was a man. And then it was a note that it was all he ever had. And he felt compelled to help with sharing of the passion of Christ in the Middle East by buying a vehicle. And he knew we knew needed, I don't know, ten, eleven thousand to get this van or whatever it was. So I was astonished. I thought, well, how do you who 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 is a guy? Let's at least, you know, thank him. No name, no nothing, no nothing, no nothing. Man. It's like it like surprises you. And uh so anyway, I never really said thank you to the brother. But then, uh, a couple months ago, we got an email on our website. You know where you can write? I mean, he doesn't have my personal email or anything. He, he wrote the website. And this is what he says. This is what the passion of the Lamb does for you. It grips you. And you find yourself... Conveying the love of Christ in ways you never thought possible. And you do it even out of your pain. Now he wrote me this note. This is what he said. I wanted to share with you what God has done for me since you came. I've only read this one other time, but uh, it's a page and a half long. How many want just one sentence of the thing, or do you want the whole letter? He said, I wanted to share with you what God has done for me since you came. If you remember, you spoke 
to our group on Tuesday and then to the congregation on Wednesday. I'd saved up cash all year. It was a rough year, he says, to purchase a new work truck. My truck was a great truck, but on its last leg. I had about 10000 in my safe. And I'd been actively looking through classifieds. The week before you came, the Spirit put on my heart a question. The question was, if I called you to give this money away, would you? I acknowledged it, but didn't. Didn't think much of it. And I tried to shrug it off. Have any of you ever tried to shrug anything off? I've been really good at that. Because of how much I needed a new truck. Y'all still got your eyelashes? Are we having a fun time yet? Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Okay. That Tuesday at the leadership meeting, the Spirit spoke to me again. You had a good message, but something more than that drew me to you and your heart for the Lord. He proceeded to tell me to go on Wednesday and hear your sermon again. That Wednesday, out of the blue and five minutes before we left, I was prompted to bring all the cash I had saved up to the service. My wife was very reluctant. He's got a good wife. My wife would do the same. And I would be thankful for it. Because she knew how hard I had worked for it. I didn't plan on giving it, but wanted to honor what God had spoken to me earlier. We made it all the way through the service. I didn't hear much of a word about what you said. You know, God can work when you don't even hear. I was trying to sort through my thoughts and justify not giving what I saved. I made it to the end and I said, God, unless you give me a specific reason or sign for giving this, I'm going to hold on to it. Right then you said that your ministry was in need of a van to pick up kids at the Life Center and uh, for the church and safely provide for them. The next thing you said, uh, you found one needed about $10,000. Exactly what I brought with me. My wife and I both started crying. And I knew at that point that he had called us to do. I gave you the cash in an envelope at your book signing. Do you remember? Duh. (laughs) And moved on, trusting that God would provide. Carrying on, that winter got tougher financially. Isn't that a bummer? Man, you follow your heart, you do something so supernatural and things get worse. Winter got tougher. I had thought about going to work for someone else and start a different company all the way up until about spring. I kept trusting and praying. Then God started working. Long story short, a year later, I'm driving a new truck. We paid off 40000 in debt, all but my truck. We have 85000 saved from this year in cash for a house. We have honored God with our giving. And we have a brand new little girl. God made a huge change in my life, and he used you to do it. 
I hope this encourages you. Yes, it does. I reached out to you early because I wanted to see if you had any needs. We have a significant amount saved up, and we wanted to help with something. So, uh, anyway, he goes on a little bit more. So I wrote the brother back and, and thanked him, told him about how much I appreciated his story. But I guess what I'm trying to say is, notice how when love grips your heart, you do things that are odd. You know what I mean? I mean... It's like you become a person uh, that you didn't know. You know what I mean? I mean, you find yourself really tender. You find yourself really forgiving. You see people full of pain and full of sin and full of shame. And you love them and just say, let's go have a bowl of soup together. All is well. Let's just look to Jesus. Thank him for the blood. In the midst of your pain, in the midst of your sin, in the midst of all the chaos. And let's just keep looking to Jesus and let the love of God in Christ be our transformation. And this is what I'm finding uh, for me about having a passion for his passion. It absolutely, uh, it grips me. It grips me. And I kind of like it. I kind of like being a mess. I kind of like only having a message about him. I kind of like not piling on anybody to try to fix it and be better and trust themselves. I like to just behold the Lamb of God and see how he does all things well. Aren't you glad for his love for you tonight? Give the Lord a shout of praise. Amen. I preach way too long. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Isn't God good? He loves you. 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 And he loves you completely. So you might as well just get over it. There's no disappointment in the Father concerning you. So quit being hung up about you. Breathe. Enjoy His love. Let your heart be thrilled with the passion of the Lamb. In this is love. Not that you love Him. But that He loves you. And He sent Jesus Christ to be the propitiation for your Sins. Can we sing that song, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus again? I feel like doing a little dance. Hallelujah. Let's all stand to our feet. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, friend. As we sing this song. <laughs> I like it. If you need prayer for it, maybe you just maybe you just need to be loved by the father. Maybe, maybe you're a, just a spiritual giant and a tough guy or a tough gal or whatever. Maybe you just need to yield to the comfort zone of the love of God in Christ.